I think. Welcome, 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 ladies and gentlemen, whenever and wherever you are, to the Complete Center's Guide. Check this out. We're broadcasting live from my kitchen, live on Facebook. So if you guys are just hearing this, make sure you head on over to the Complete Center's Guide on Facebook and www.completecenters.com for all of this new new stuff that we're trying. We're trying... We're, like I said, we're broadcasting live on Facebook right now, so everybody can see like a behind-the-scenes look on how we actually make these uh, these podcasts and stuff. So with me, man, I got Chris New, um, and I've been actually looking forward to this for a very, very long time. Justification, guys, that's what we're going to talk about tonight. What is justification? Why is it so important? And how? How in the world? The, the question we need to answer tonight is how can unjust sinners be justified in the sight of a just God? That, that, that's, the, that's the thesis and the question that we are answering tonight. But before that, if you guys haven't yet, please head on over to www.completecenters.com for every single one of our episodes. We've done episodes on tattoos and piercings. We've done episodes on abortion. We've done free will debates, Calvinism, Arminianism. Anything you guys want is over at www.completecenters.com. You can also check us out on Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash complete center singular there on that one guys um also if you want to be a guest on the show right now um well not right now but you know here in the future if you want to be a guest on the show like chris new is make sure you email me at complete center at gmail.com and we will get you a spot on the show so no without further ado my man chris new brother how are you doing and what is going on it's been a while and I, I, I'm hanging in there. It's 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 been an interesting couple of months with one health issue after the other, and just trying to dig in deeper to our local church here in Richmond. Uh, there's been there's been kind of both sides of, of blessing and difficulty, kind of just kind of colliding together in equal amounts. So. Sure. <laughs> It's been it's been very much a fifty fifty sort of game here in the last couple of months or so. So yeah. So I mean, but everything is looking up now. I mean, you're looking good, bro. Like I'm looking at you, man. And I'm just like, man, this guy he, he's on point tonight. Well, yeah. I mean, I've I've been I've been dropping some weight here and there. Um, hopefully, more like everywhere. Uh, <laughs> been been doing that. Been drinking tons of water or at least modified water there you um, go. yeah i mean that things have been things have been going well found out today that my wife does not need surgery um as far amen. as amen amen so, there's a huge there's a huge relief as far as that's concerned now it just opens up a bigger bigger question of what's actually wrong and they're going to do a whole bunch of more tests because they think they corrected it at least on a short term Okay, good deal. So answer prayers for sure then, huh? Big time, big time. Yes, 
Yes. All right. So before we jump into the topic of justification, like I was telling Chris actually earlier, for you guys watching on Facebook right now, feel free to ask us a question. Um, drop a drop a line. You know, tell us how we're doing. Um, anything like that. If you guys want, make sure you share this video so other people can get it. We're we're diving into the gospel. So what I've got going on is that. I've started a series on salvation. Basically, we're going to be talking about, uh, we talked about last time with Joshua Davis and my man, uh, we talked about the gospel and what exactly is the gospel, like who is the gospel about, what is it, and tonight we're going to focus on an aspect of that, and, the, and, and we're going to talk about justification. So what is justification? How does it apply to us? And like I said, if you guys watch and want to you know, ask us a question about it, feel free uh, to do that. But before we get started, Chris, uh, I know who you are, right? We've been friends for a pretty good while on Facebook. Um, never met you. Would love to actually meet up with you one day and just kick back and chill. But for those who don't know anything about Chris New, man, tell, tell, tell the listeners about yourself. Um, I have been a believer now for 19 years. I am 37 years old. I'm from Richmond, Virginia. Um, and I have been married for seven years. I'm a four-year-old son. Um, I currently work for an insurance company as my day job, and, and I'm the guy that everybody loves to hate. I tell you who's to blame in a car accident. Usually it's you. Um, so <laughs> I'm, I'm the 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 most thankless job in an insurance company. Um, I am a, a pretty strict adherent to the doctrines of grace as far as soteriology goes. Uh, and these are commonly known as Calvinism, but I tend towards more just doctrines of grace. Because I think that there's a, there's a certain stigma when it comes to the word Calvinism when you drop that into a conversation. It's more right. like dropping a bomb. Um, and so the, the church that I attend, uh, we're actually in the middle of the membership process. Um, it's one that, that we found after we left our last church, and we love it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we're, we're doing what we can to grow. Currently, my wife and I are colleagues and Philemon. It's part of the precept Bible study with us, and it's Basically, I glorify Sunday school class. It also meets at nights in different people's houses, too. So, yeah. Okay, right on. Um, Chris, if you wouldn't mind, I'm not trying to be that guy, um, but if you don't mind, could you try talking into the phone? I can barely hear you. I, I can hear you loud and clear on Facebook. But I <laughs> Hey, there we go. Look at that. Look at that. Um, so, anyway, uh, all right, man. Let, let, let's dive in. For those, just a real quick background, I guess, about me then. Um, I, I'm Southern Baptist, right? I hold to the doctrines of grace wholeheartedly. I love the doctrines of grace. Um, and for those who don't know exactly what that is, we're referring to what a lot of people refer to as TULIP. Total depravity, unconditional election, limited atonement. I like definite atonement personally. Um, irresistible grace, perseverance of the saints. And tonight, within that, there are different... I guess, what would you say, Chris, subcategories? Whenever we talk about, you know, soteriology, justification, and sanctification, which we're going to be talking about next week, actually, uh, with my pastor, right? So we're going to talk about um, this. But but like I said, tonight, um, just just to dive in uh, real quick, like I said, I was going to, you know, I go to a Southern Baptist um, church, and I have probably been saved for, I'm, I don't exactly know when I was saved, 
but I like to say that I've been saved for about five years now, so between four and five years. So I'm still a baby in the faith, but I just I, I love topics like this, justification, sanctification, like because this is it, it, it's not just a doctrine per se. It's actually experiential. Like we experience all of these different things that we like to talk about, and unfortunately, people like to argue about. Um, but, but I guess ju- to start out, you know, we, h- how would you, Chris, define justification? I, I would say personally, it, it's to be quote unquote declared righteous or, or pronounced righteous. It's a legal term. H- how would you define justification for those who don't know what it is? And in, in common, and I've heard it phrased this way. I would agree with this kind of phrasing. Um, we are to blame for our own actions. We need a defender, and we basically lawyer up with Jesus. He is our defender, and he is the one who justifies us. Basically what it means is that we are declared justified. In other words, our sin is not counted against us. It is present, it is reality, it is something that we've definitely, you know, transgressed. We have broken God's law. He alone, as the lawgiver, is the only one who's able to justify those who are guilty of breaking to those who break it. Only he has the power to do that. Only he has that pardoning ability. Um, right. you know, people talk about, oh, you need to forgive yourself, you need to forgive others, and forgiving others is extremely important. But the, the ultimate forgiveness is going to come from him, then all of the forgiveness is a, is a good image of that, even if it is a faulty or flawed image. The ultimate reality is that justification is a legal stance. It is a position that we are in as believers where our sin is no longer counted against us. Right, and, and that's, you know, you, I, I love it whenever you said we lawyer up with Jesus, right? Because that's actually, and I, I, correct me if I'm wrong, Chris, but I think in First John 2, right, whenever Jesus, or, or whenever, well, actually, let me just bring it up real quick. Um, mm-hmm. Sorry, I, sh- I should have had this one bookmark because I knew, I knew we was going to go to it. But um, here we go. Uh, my little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin, but if anyone does sin... We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ. And that word advocate there in, in the Greek, I forget the word off the top of my head, um, but in the Greek, the word actually mean it, it was used, you know, as, for a lawyer um, back, back whenever, you know, I don't know if they called them lawyers back then, but that's what the term right. was. It was a, a representative for you. Jesus, in, in, in essence, he represents us. We... we in, in theology, we have a term, um, federal headship. And, and for those who aren't familiar with the term, um, basically, when Adam, we would say the reason that everyone is guilty, besides their own sins, we would say that the whole of humanity fell in Adam. Whenever Adam sinned, his sin was imputed, and that's a very, very key word term there that we're going to get in, in, into later, but his sin was actually imputed into everybody. So in turn, he represented 
the whole of humanity, and he fell, therefore we all fell. But Jesus is the exact same way. A lot of people actually tell me, well, that's not fair. Why am I being held accountable for somebody, you know, for something somebody else did? The reason is because if not, then you couldn't be held accountable for what Jesus did. That would not be put on you. His righteousness, we, we get into, you know, terminology that we have to use. But I, I think it was Martin Luther who said it. He called it the great exchange. Upon the cross, Jesus actually accomplished something, and that something was to take sin upon himself of every single person who would believe in him. Uh, Calvinists, if we're going to be honest, call these people the elect. They... The, Jesus knew exactly who would believe in him. And the reason he knew that, we believe, is that he chose those individuals for salvation um, and, and everything that comes along with salvation. So what happened was Jesus took the sin of those people upon himself and in return, in time, in, in time and space, whenever these people believe, which they will believe, his righteousness that he fulfilled... By, by fulfilling all of the law, 100%, that righteousness is then imputed to us. And we call that the greatest change. So basically what we're getting at is every, every single person in the world understands that there is a problem. We have what we call evil in the world. And that there is a big, big, big problem that's going on. We, we just, we, all we have to do is look and we see that there is something wrong. And what we would say as a Christian would say... That, that wrongness, what you're experiencing, is sin. We call that sin. What is sin exactly, Chris? Um, how, how would you define sin? We, we kind of talked about it last week on the show. We haven't um, got to release that episode yet, which we're going to really, really soon. But um, how, how would you define sin just in like a, a sentence or two? Well, the, the Bible defines sin in, in one word, um, lawlessness. Um, but sin in, in one sentence, you could say, is disobedience to God. Um, it is transgressing of the law. And a lot of people would call it, you know, missing the mark. I think it, it goes a little bit deeper and more severe than that. I think that it is an absolute transgressing of the law. It's a complete, um, you know, that th- this is, this is you know, one of the reasons why Jesus died. This is... This is so severe and so nasty that the Lord of heaven and earth had to come here to rescue his people from it by the most brutal death you can imagine. Being ripped to shreds is what bought our pardon. His blood bought our justified state. That's, That's how... Filthy and nasty, our disobedience actually is. It, it goes. It goes much deeper than just oh, I did an oopsie or I made a mistake. This is this is down to deliberate acts, and that's what it is. It's rebellion against God. Yeah, it, it, exactly. Um, I, I want to check out Job for just a second. And for those who are watching live on Facebook and listening, um, whenever and wherever literally you are, um, I have Chris New uh, with me, and we're talking about justification, and we're just getting into the problem we see in humanity. And, and the Bible, like you said, Chris, the sin, this lawlessness, this rebellion against God, I, I refer to it as I spit in the face of God whenever I sin. I, I literally do. Um 
we, we see in the book of Job. Now, what's interesting about Job is that we believe that it was actually a, the same time frame as Abraham, um, Isaac, uh, somewhere around in there. And, and, and what's interesting, now, correct me if I'm wrong, Chris, but was Job a Gentile? Do you know, or was he Jewish? I don't remember. He's, he was a Gentile because the, the, the ethnic group that we would know as Jews wasn't really a thing until Abraham was called out of Ur. Um, sure. So, you know, he, he, was, he was from a, a place called Uz. I, I don't, I think that's probably in ancient Mesopotamia, probably where maybe the Assyrians or Babylonians would have like their hotbed centuries later. Um, right. So he's, he's not a true Jew in the, in the sense of bloodline connection with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, etc. Okay. Okay, but but we would say that you know Job he was a great 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 man of faith, right? And what's interesting is this was before even the law of Moses was given and sacrifices were really instituted. We see you know Abraham sacrificing, right? We but what's interesting is that God is also calling these Gentiles to sacrifice in the same way that these Jews would eventually four hundred years later. I just realized that that's really neat. But but so Job in uh, in chapter four. Uh, the, the question is stated in verse 17. It says, can mortal man be in the right before God? Um, uh, another verse, real quick, it would be not, uh, chapter, Job chapter 9, verse 2. Uh, Job actually says, truly I know that it is so, but how can a man be in the right before God? Um, I'm using the ESV. A lot, a lot of translations use justified or declared righteous in that. And, and the question is asked one more time, actually, in the book of Job. Uh, it's verse, or I'm sorry, it's chapter 25, verse 4. He says again, how can a man be in the right uh, before God? Um, and that was Bildad. So you see Bildad and Job are sitting here, and there's, there's a conversation happening. And the ultimate question is this. How can man be made right before God? We have to realize God's holiness, okay? And the, the fact of the matter, how much God actually hates sin, okay? We look and we see that God is love, yes. We, we look at the cross and see just how loving God is. But we also see how much he hates, and I mean despises sin, right? All of that wrath, and think about this, an eternity of wrath was poured out on the Son of God for millions and millions of different people, right? All of those sins piled up. This is the, I, I honestly think, between Jesus, because there's a mystery there that nobody really, ever, ever really understand, but I really believe that the anger and the wrath that Jesus was feeling, whenever the world ends and we read how in the book of Revelation how the world is destroyed, I think that was just a fraction of what Jesus actually felt. And, you know, under, because that's, what, that's the whole reason God is going to destroy the world is because of this sin and this evilness. There will be justice one day. And all of these, and that's something that all humans have in common, right? We all crave justice. If Chris were to hurt my wife, or if I were to hurt his wife, he would demand justice, and he'd probably get it by killing me himself, but, you know, the legal way to do that would be to go to the cops. But the point of the matter that I'm making is we all understand that there's evil in the world, and every single person, no matter Roman Catholic, Mormon, Christian, Hindu, atheist, it doesn't matter. We all realize that there's something wrong in this world, and that's sin, and the fact of the matter that God hates sin. So the question we must answer is, 
how, what does that mean for us? How in the world can man be made right with God? The same question that Job and all of these people have asked throughout the centuries. The beautiful thing about that is we can. There is an option. There is a way. There is life, literally life. And that's, that's what we're going to get into. How can we be justified? First and foremost, I would like to say this. For if anyone gets anything out of this, right, let this be it right here. Justified. Just as if I'd never sinned. Just as if I'd always been righteous. If you get nothing else out of that, or out of this show, make sure that's it. Because that's exactly what we're talking about with justification. It's, it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful concept. Um, and and let, I, I want to go to the book of Romans real quick. Um, Ro- Romans 3.24, per se. And it's just, uh, the book of Romans, like, chap- uh, I, I mean, it's, it's almost like it could be called the gospel, right? Because the gospel to the Romans, right? Because it goes in, the first three chapters are about sin. The next three chapters are about, you know, justification. How can we be made right? This question that's, you know, answered in, in, in the New Testament and fulfilled in the New Testament. Um, but Romans 3, 20, uh, verse 22, or well, verse 21, it starts out, But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. All Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God, now listen, through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there is no distinction. So we have to realize, in the first three chapters of the book of Romans, right, Paul is making a case that no matter if you are Jewish or if you're Gentile, we all fall short of the glory of God. We have all sinned. We have all forsaken our creator in some way shape or form the, the roman says for there is none righteous no not one there is none who seek for god none a- absolutely no one and, and we're and we're getting into now what can we do about it are we just left in the state of sin are we just what what can we do Paul says in verse 22, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and are justified. There's that word. Just as if I've never sinned, just as if I'd always been righteous, justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith, this was to show God's righteousness, because in His divine forbearance, uh, He had passed over former sins. It was to show His righteousness at the present time, so that He might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. And that's that's the exact thesis. What we started out saying tonight is: How can unjust sinners be just? By an unjust, or by a just God, sorry, forgive me for that, by a just God. And Paul says it's by faith in Jesus Christ alone. Chris, what, go, take it, brother. Like, I know, I know you're itching to say something. Sorry, that was so long. It's interesting that you, that your go to for, to start this out was to go with Job. 
that it's such a it's such a neglected book in terms of its in terms of its theology. Um, a lot of times people will, will default to the, the book of Psalms to, to see what they want to see about the attributes of God and just the nature of the world. And you can find the entire gospel in Psalms if you are searching right. hard enough. Right. <clears throat> with, with Romans, it, with the indictment against all of, of humanity, I mean, it, it, goes, it goes just that deep. Um, just earlier in that same chapter in Romans 3, he says, There is none righteous, not even one. There is none who understands, there is none who seeks for God. All have turned aside, together they have become useless. There is none who does good, there is not even one. Um, so the idea of us being under Adam's headship from the moment of birth, it's, it's right there. Um, yeah, we we are helpless. We are hopeless without without his power regenerating all of that. Now, the probably the the as far as what what I read in the, in the New Testament, the most comforting chapter in the New Testament for me is Romans eight. Uh, now, Romans eight describes specifically verse thirty. I think describes of the doctrines of grace in in plain English, in written form. Um, Romans 8.30 specifically, where it says, these whom he predestined, he also called. These whom he called, he also justified. And these whom he justified, he also glorified. So what you're seeing there is justification spread out, not as just some cold doctrine, but as an actual reality for the believer. This is not something that's just this ethereal concept. It's something that, you know, one day we'll get a good grasp on. It's right here. I mean, he's, he's telling us this is what it looks like to be justified. This is what it means to be justified. And this is, this is the reality that you, as a believer, can enjoy right now. Um, it's, it's not something that you need to have any kind of mystery on. This is, this is one of those things that is spelled out pretty clear in scripture um you know there's plenty of mystery in in the word of god this shouldn't be one of them <laughs> this should be right. something where we can get a good handle on it and say here's justification here's how it's different from sanctification as you continue to study further into the nature of those two and how they're alike but also how they're different Right, right. So it's interesting that you bring up verse uh, Romans eight thirty, right? Because let me ask you this: and uh, do you got Josh as a friend on Facebook, Josh Davidson? Maybe. I don't okay. Possibly. Okay, I think so. I know you guys have interacted on my post before. I'm pretty sure. Um, he longtime friend, and so I hope he wouldn't. M- care if I brought this up. Um, I, I hope he doesn't, but if, if you do, I'm sorry, brother, please forgive me, but I think it's relevant to what we're talking about. Um, so I, I asked Josh what he thought about this verse uh, one, one time, and he told me that he believes in the context, Romans 8, 28 through 30, um, that, this, mm-hmm. that this is only speaking of Old Testament saints. Um, and and 
I, I have, uh, and I don't want to sound rude or anything like that because I love Josh and I value his friendship, but at the same time, I have to point out what I truly believe is truth. Um, and, and I just, I honestly don't see that because of what the very next or the very first verse in that context says, Romans eight twenty eight. he says, for those who love God, all things are worked together for good. To whom? To those who love God. This is Old Testament and, and New Testament, I would say. Um, and, and, and here's the thing that gets me. In Romans 8.28, or I'm sorry, Romans 8.30, it gives a chain, so to say, right? And you're right, Chris. Right. It, this is what's actually happening, happening to us. God foreknew us before we were born. He um, predestined us. He called us now in time, this was what we would call uh, as theologians, the effectual call of God. Uh, whenever he chooses to open the eyes of a believer, open their heart, um, like Lydia in Acts uh, 16, I think. Um, I could be wrong. Do what? Somewhere. Yeah, yeah. It, it, we so that, that, but that's what we say. But, but the point that I'm making is in Romans 8:30, it says. Those whom he called, he also justified. There's that word again, just as if I'd always been righteous, just as if I've never sinned. And that term is applied, yes, to Old Testament saints, because let's face it, Old Testament saints wasn't technically justified until after Jesus died, right? Yes, they went to paradise. That God, they were the elect, you know, all, I, I don't believe all Israel went to heaven, um, throughout the Old Testament, right? I don't think that. I think there were elect within Israel uh, for salvation, uh, or 2 Corinthians 5.21, I think, or 1 Corinthians. Um, But but these these people whom God has literally called for salvation, the Bible says, these are Old Testament saints, these are New Testament saints, and these are people who, down the road, if the world lasts another thousand years, people whom God will effectually call and justify just the same. Why? By faith. The, in, in Genesis um, 15, uh, I'm, I'm kind of going off the track here. We, we have an outline, but I'm kind of going off the track. But the Bible says in Genesis 15, I think, that Abraham was declared righteous or justified through belief, right? He was he, his belief was counted to him as righteousness, and we, so we see from that point on, and not and even back, before, you know, to Adam, every single person who has ever been justified was foreknown, predestined, called, justified, and will ultimately be glorified. A saint cannot lose his salvation; will ultimately be glorified. Um, that's who I think, um, but. Do you see? Do you see Old Testament saints there, or is this everybody who's justified? I'm looking at this, and again, in a full full context here. Let's go back even in, in that chapter of Romans. Let's start with verse 26. What kind of tense is being used? In the same way, the Spirit also helps. That's present. Right. Helps our weakness. And I'm reading from the New American Standard, just so you're aware. Um, in the same yeah, way, sure. the Spirit also helps our weakness, for we do not know, not new, but know, how mm-hmm. to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes, not interceded, for us, right. groaning too deep for words. And he who searches, not search, the heart knows, not knew, what the mind of the Spirit is, not was, because he intercedes, not interceded. 
for the faith according to the will of God. We know, not new, that God causes, not causes, all things to work together for for good to those who love, not loved, God. To those who are called according to His purpose. Now that called is is the first time you see a past tense mentioned from verse 26 up to now. Um, And there's a reason for that, because he's going to use that same word in verse 30. Uh, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his Son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. Well, how's he going to be the firstborn among many brethren if he's talking about Um, And those whom he predestined, he also called, and these whom he called, he also justified, and those whom he justified, he also glorified. There's no mention... In the context of the passage, if anything in the under the old covenant here, um, he's writing to a group of New Testament believers. He's writing to a group of Christians who are living in Rome. Some are Jews, some are Gentile. Well, the Gentiles may not know who Adam and Cain and Abel and Noah, Abraham. Well, they will when they read this letter, because Abraham is dripping off pages. But right, they're right. not going to automatically know that coming from a Greco-Roman background. They're going to know all the, the mythology gods that their grandparents taught them about, and, and their parents drilled into their heads, and now they're rebelling against their parents and becoming Christian. Mm. <laughs> but, right. uh, you know, this, this, this is something that is... And then in the very next verse, what, what then shall we say... To these things is God for us? If God is for us, who is against us? So this this is again transitioning back to today, right now, here among the Roman Christians. This right. it's, when it talks about past tense, it talks about what Jesus did, and it also talks about what Jesus is doing. Um, you know, this is something that, that this is God. God is doing this now. It's not strictly past tense. So justification right, right. is for right now. I mean, I mean, Paul even says to the Corinthians, "Today is the day of salvation." This is not just oh, some some cool guys in the Old Testament. They you know they knew God. They were they were somehow more advanced than the other people around them, and so here they are. They're the privileged few just because they have a higher intellectual capacity to know who this divine being is. This is something that required them to be called out of their darkness and into his light. Right, yeah. right. I, I, I agree, dude. I, I agree 100%. Um, so, sorry to get off on track or off track on that. Um, but, but, yeah, I just wanted to, you know, get your opinion on it. Um, so, anyway, back to, um, I, I want to flip to Philemon real quick, or Philemon. Um, yeah. Because, hey, I just got a friend request. Oh, hi, Sophia. What's up? How you doing? Um, anyway, uh, let's flip to Philemon, and I want you, and I want everybody else to see this real quick. If you haven't seen it already, Chris, he says this. Paul Paul is writing to Philemon, and he's talking about Onesimus, right? Onesimus is a slave that has apparently ran away from his owner straight to Paul, got saved, um, and now Paul is basically saying, hey, do you want your slave back? If so, Please don't, you know, punish him. Like, don't treat him bad. He something good has came out of this, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God. Right. So, anyway, um, 
he sa- he starts in verse 17. He says, So if you consider me your partner, receive him who, Onesimus, as you would receive me. If he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. Right? I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it to say nothing of your owing me, even your own self. And it's a beautiful, I've never heard anybody say it until tonight. I was listening to a sermon and th- this got brought up and I was like, okay, let's see how it works. Right? No, I'm sorry, I wasn't listening to a sermon. I was listening to a book by Charles Leiter. I don't know if you've heard it, or heard of him, Chris, or not. He does a lot of things with Paul Washer. Um, he wrote a book called Justification and Regeneration. Highly, highly recommend it. Beautiful book. Oh, love it. Um, but anyway, he's the one that used this, and I never thought about it until I saw that, and that's exactly what Jesus done for us. I, I, I like to envision the courtroom it, whenever, because all of us, let's face it, all of us are going to stand before God, it, whether, and I don't mean this in a disrespectful way, but whether you believe in him or not, you're going to stand before God one day, and I'm not trying to sound harsh, I'm just trying to be honest. Um, but at the same time, whenever we do stand before God, I like to envision as a courtroom, right? And you have Satan just, oh, right, look at all he did. Look at all the times he cussed you out. Look at all the drugs he did. Look at all the times he had sex. You know, look at all the times he was mean to his wife or whatever. You know, I just envision Jesus coming out at that point, right? Walking out, I'm sorry, and saying, look at the nail scars in my hands, Right. Mm-hmm. charge that to my or it's already been charged to my account period and subject mm-hmm. i've already yeah. dealt with those sins i've already paid for them that's why i don't believe that jesus just made salvation possible on the cross why because that means he didn't accomplish anything i believe that jesus accomplished something on the cross i believe those sins including unbelief and rejection right Every single sin that I've ever committed, which is unbelief and rejection at one point in time or another, Jesus paid for. Jesus died. So the excuse, well, they didn't accept Jesus, is it's not valid anymore. Because why? Jesus died for unbelief. And Jesus died for rejection. The unforgivable sin is blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. And if your faith is in Christ, you have not committed that sin. And if you have committed that sin, that salvation is cut off for you. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. You can't say, I repent. There's no repentance left at that point. So you can't. It's impossible. Hebrews 6 says impossible. So, sorry, passion, tangent, my bad. Um, Anyway, but the point I'm making is that the whenever one the reason this is the reason one can be justified in the sight of God because their sins have already been dealt with they're done at that point right. there's nothing left the only thing that's left to do is to claim that gift right the bible calls it in romans 3 um 3:24 and 28 the bible is a free gift and the way that we take that gift cuz that was the question that i had before chris how do i take the gift right and the way someone literally receives that gift is to trust in Jesus. Right. That's how you receive right. it. That's how all the benefits of salvation, which include regeneration, we're going to talk about that soon, too. I don't know if that would be a subject you'd be up for, Chris, but I don't have anybody yet. Just saying. Um, regeneration, justification, sanctification, and ultimately glorification, all of those perks, let's call them perks, so to say, they come with 
faith at that at the moment one believes that 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 is trusting and not I'm not saying believe as in acknowledge Jesus exists what I'm saying is is actually it's more than mental assent it is a trust it is a reliance upon christianity and independency do not go together okay we are totally dependent upon jesus and that's how all those benefits are applied at a moment in time to somebody now i know the question i know the question that's going to be asked now well if that's the case does that mean somebody can just go on sinning Absolutely not, and here's the reason why. And Chris, you can comment on this if you want to. In Ezekiel 36 and Ezekiel 11, the Bible says that God will reach down and take out a heart of stone, and that 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 heart of stone that wants to sin, the heart of stone that wants to rebel against God, the heart of stone that hates God, takes out that heart of stone and puts in a heart of flesh that makes you desire God, that makes you want to please him, that makes you never want... You might want to run away, but you are going to come right back because it happened to me the other night. I was fed up. I was done. I was absolutely... I'm sick of it. And not five minutes later, I was on my knees begging for forgiveness. Why? Because the Holy Spirit convicted me, man. He's like, don't be stupid, Tyler. You're not going to give this up. You can't give this up. You're my property, first of all. But you're not going to anyway. And I repented. And I said, I'm sorry, God. I said, please forgive me. And and, and what came next? You're already forgiven. You're already forgiven. It's done. It's over with, right? Um, So if anything, you know, if I can encourage anybody, if you're a Christian, if your faith is in Christ, you are forgiven. You are an adopted child of God, right? Do you want to comment on that, man? I mean, sorry, I'm going to talk all night, dude. (laughs) With the idea idea of, well, I can just sin and, and with reckless abandon now that I know that I'm justified, if anything, that proves that you... Still need to be justified, and here's why I say this: in Romans six, and this this is this is where I think that we can really kind of flesh this up even more. Um, Romans six, this is the one where he says, "What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may increase?" Some translations say grace may abound. Would challenge anybody that's hearing this. Instead of saying, what shall we say then, or we continue in, to continue in sin, stick your name in there. Stick your name in that spot. What shall we say then? Is Chris to continue in sin so that grace may increase? May it never be. How shall Chris, how shall Chris who died to sin, still live in it? Or do you not know that Chris, who has been baptized into Christ Jesus, has been baptized into his death. Stick your name in there, and you'll see what kind of positional nature of justification this really is. This is something that is unique to the Christian faith. So this is why, this is why I don't get really heated when somebody says that Christianity is a relationship and not a religion. It makes some people mad when some people say, well, you know, this is, this is a religion, too. Plus, there's a religious aspect to it. James 1, 26, and 27 talks about religion is mm-hmm. pure and faultless, and care for what is north and to keep oneself polluted from the world. I'm there. I get it. What I'm saying is that when, I, when, when someone says, hopefully what they mean, is that when somebody says that Christianity is a relationship and not a religion, what? 
what I would would say when I when I say something close to that is that this is something that is unique to the Christian faith. So I don't I'm not able, even if I wanted to, I'm not able to climb some sort of righteousness ladder to rise to certain levels up and up and up the chain to approach whatever deity that I'm trying to approach, to appease whatever God I'm trying to appease. This is unique to the Christian faith. So with Islam, there are five pillars. With Judaism, there's obedience to the law. With every, every possible religion that you can think of that exists out there, there's something you personally must perform. There's some sort of that you must do, there's some sort of words that you must speak with yeah. with our study, like you said, it is it is a gift that is received via trust, via faith. It is by faith that we are justified. This is like I said, it's something that is fully unique to Christianity. It's a foreign concept to the religions of the world. Um, you know, right. we are not we are not um, going to perform enough righteous deeds to outweigh our unrighteousness. And let me let me make that distinction. Notice the difference here. We are not going to perform enough righteous deeds to outweigh our unrighteousness. Not our unrighteous deeds, but right. our unrighteousness. Like right. we are, we are systemically infected with a virus called sin and Christ is the cure. He is who mm-hmm. he is who to justifies us. We don't have the ability to conjure up enough goodness in us through our words, through our thoughts, through our actions that will ever even hope to come close to what Jesus did on the cross. And if we try what we're mm-hmm. doing is make a making a mockery of what Jesus did on the cross. I mean Six hours, the weight of the world's sin for the entire body of Christ. You can't hmm. compare. You can't hope to achieve those kinds of levels of righteousness. No matter how long you live, if you were to live a thousand eternities, try to calculate that in your head, you still would right. not be able to come with even 0.1% of, of what you would need to, to go to heaven. Flat out. Right. It, God to give you God to bring you to God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's kind of a it's kind of a stilted way of putting it, but that's essentially what we're what we're saying and what we're trying to say here is that it it can only come from God, through God, and of God. Right. Amen, dude. Like I I agree, man. See, that's why, Chris, it's so nice to have you on the show because I don't know if you listen to the free will debate, right? But I mean and I know Noah wouldn't mind me saying, or Josh for that matter, you know. But it was three on one, right? Like my moderator didn't turn into a moderator or he turned into a participant, right? And and I'm fine with that. You know, I don't mind that you know, I love whenever people ask me questions. Um it looks like it's just me, you and Sophia on live right now, but I don't know. It could could be different. I don't know. Um, she and she's reformed too. I was hoping to kind of have some non-reformed uh, guys and gals come on 
and uh, you know ask questions or you know try to argue with us or whatever. But I mean, and I, I don't like arguing per se, but if it's edifying, and that's the whole reason we're doing the show, you know, to be you know edifying and. Um, just to get the truth out there. I mean, we all, you know, there's there's nuances in all of us, right? We all believe a little bit differently than the other ones. But I, I really wholeheartedly believe that as God, and we're going to get into this next week whenever we talk about sanctification, but as God is shaping and molding us, we are, we're becoming more and more, you know, like him, and that takes time. That takes patience. What what we what we need to realize is if we're in that situation now, right? If we are, you know, if we know that we're trusting Christ, and this this was my problem before. It was, and I'm sure Chris, you can relate. You know, in some walk of your life, you've been a Christian a lot longer than I have. But I honestly, I really felt like giving up, right? And part of that, you know, I, I was depressed. I, I, I'm so sick of battling this same sin, you know, and I finally just, I gave in, man. And I've been given into the sin, you know, a certain amount of time. Um, and it, it's, it's tough, bro. But now it's like, you know, after that, it's almost like God allowed me to get just a little further deeper, um, in before he literally reached down and snatched me out. You know, I, I don't know why, and I, I, I think God uses, I think God can use sin, first of all, uh, to chastise us. I think that God can is, is sovereign over sin, and therefore he can manipulate it and use it in a way that's going to be bettering for me, if you can put those two things together. What, what do you think about that, Chris? Do you think that God is sovereign over sin and can use sin for that? I think that you know if you look at the if you look at the very end of the book of Genesis where mm-hmm. you know Joseph is talking to his brothers and he tells them what you meant for evil God took and and used to glorify himself he he took it and turned it for good and so mm-hmm. I think that that when we when we stumble God's not surprised Jesus, Jesus knows exactly what you know what's going to happen tomorrow. He's you know, going to happen the next hour from now. He's not taken aback by any of this. And so, when we when we look at the through the through the ages of time, he's he's still there to to forgive. I mean, you look at First John one. He, he talks about how, you know, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to, for, to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. That's not, right. that's not just for you, that's for his glory, too. But, I mean, when we say that, you know, does, does sin have a purpose? Yes, it does. There is a purpose to it. Is it something that glorifies him? Absolutely not. What he does with that sin brings him glory. Um, our sin is like we like we talked about is it is it is lawlessness it is disobedience to God. What He does with it in separating as far as East and West is where the glory of God really comes in. Right, right. What? Well, so here's the thing, Chris. Was this what's going on right now? Your camera has froze, right? I know. And I see that. <laughs> 
Did you, did you see that? Okay, so was it is it kind of weird, like, looking at yourself, looking back? It's just almost like that creepy mirror, right? Like, if you're looking in the mirror, and it's just like, you turn, and it's just sitting there staring straight at you. Like, <laughs> that would, oh, man, that would creep me out, man. Like, I'd have to leave. But, um... <laughs> Um, do what I don't, I don't mind. But. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, okay, so real quick, we've got about ten minutes left. Uh, <laughs> Sophie's cracking up. We got about ten minutes left. Um, I know you wanted to talk about imputation, Chris. Um, I, I was looking at Psalm um, thirty-two real quick, and and, and verse two. Well, verse one, it says, A masculine of David, blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Same uh, verse that or Paul quoted. Same Seems like the same verse that Jesus quoted to, um, oh, what's his name? Nathaniel? Yep, that's it. Sorry. Brain, brain malfunction there. Uh, we we got technical malfunctions, brain malfunctions. Sorry about that. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so uh, Jesus quotes this verse, and Paul quotes this verse in Romans four. Um, just real, real quick, Chris, and I will let you uh, say what you want to say. Uh, but in Romans four, verse two through eight, um, Paul says, "For if Abraham was justified by works." He has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now, now here's imputation. Now to the one who works, I'm sorry, not imputation yet. Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, right? We, we agree that, because the Bible strictly says that salvation and faith is a gift, right? So a gift, but as his due. So basically the point Paul's making is, we all go to work. Well, most of us go to work, and we all collect a paycheck. Those who go to work collect a paycheck. Why? The reason is that we have an agreement with our boss, or if you are a boss, you have an agreement with your employees that if they give you work, you'll give them money, period and subject. That's the only reason. Well, no, not the only reason, but that's I, the main reason people go to work is to make money. There's a, there's a verbal and sometimes a signed and, and written agreement between employee and employer. That's the point Paul is making. He's saying if you do things to be justified, then that justification is owed you. The problem is no one is owed salvation. We all deserve death and hell because we're sinners. That's the point. We all deserve death and hell. But Paul says in verse 5, and to the one who does not work now, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly. I love it. God, the just judge of the universe, can and does justify the ungodly. Why? Because of what Jesus has done. So, believes in him who just yeah, um, his faith. Now listen, his faith is counted as righteousness, just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one whom God counts righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whom the Lord will not count his sin. Why won't God count his sin? It's because it's already been paid for. Done. Right. It's over with. Yeah. 
we believe that Christ actually accomplished something on the cross. And what that accomplishment was, was to pay the debt due for sin. Mm -hmm. The wages of sin is death, and Christ paid that debt with his life. Salvation was not cheap, my friends. Salvation was not. It was very costly to our Lord and God. Right, Chris, yep. we got so we've got about three minutes left, Chris. Uh, I, if you want to continue this conversation um, outside of the podcast, I'm more than willing to do that. I don't know what you got going on um, right now, but if you want to, I mean, we can continue. We can reconnect and get you actually uh, looking instead of just staring at us. Well, um, you know, I think that would be that would be great. I'd like to actually continue this with a with a whole different. Uh, topic on a different night. I'd love, okay. I'd love to be you know, whatever you have in mind for future dates. Um, well, that really stinks because we're going to be back <laughs> one of these days. We are going to do this again. Thank you guys for tuning in with us. I'm your host Tyler Fowler. With me was Chris. Ming. You can find him on Facebook. Find me on Facebook. We will see you guys later. Bye.